This is Nursing in America. Each week we speak with incredible nurses who have taken the leap to start a new life in the United States. If you're thinking about doing the same, then this is the place you'll find all the insider knowledge and inspirational success stories to realize your own American dream. This is the second part of a two-part episode, so make sure you go back and listen to part one first. Paul, if we put that slide up again, what causes burnout? What are the things that you have experienced and are experiencing so, that cause burnout? Thank you for your question. For the factors for me, definitely, I think I'd put at the top of the list is the high stress work environment, working in the ER and getting all these patients that have like, you know, emergent issues. Um, COVID made it extra harder because, you know, people are presenting symptoms that are very severe at the same time and we don't have enough resources. Um, then, of course, there's emotional drain and patient deaths that are staggering, that are usually, you know, that are that were more than what we were used to. Um, there's lack of sleep because shifts are like 12 hours. You don't get on, uh, get off on time and then you have to come in early. So the 12 hours can easily become 14 hours. Um, working long hours, short staffing issues was still a problem, was even worse during the pandemic. So, and of course, they were sicker, sicker patients, more complex, because now with COVID, you're not only dealing with pneumonia and respiratory conditions, but they can also have failing heart and failing kidneys and failing neurologic functions. So if you put all of these together, like I said yesterday, um, our job was already hard, but the COVID made it like twice, thrice harder. So that kind of like sped up the burnout. Um, Plus working long hours, of course, is one of the major factors of um, the burnout. So how have you, how have you in the past during COVID and going forward now taking care of yourself? Yeah. So, you know what? I thought about it for a bit. Um, At the beginning of COVID, when they were deploying a lot of nurses, I was working 48, 60 hours. Um, My first COVID deployment was in a very high acuity hospital here in Houston, Texas, um, right in the med center. It was a very tough job. um, I had to quit after the third month. Well, my contract was only two months. I extended for another month. And I had to quit after the third month um, to take a break. I actually took a six-week break. Um, and during that break, you know, I I uh, took trips. Um, of course, it has to be safe because it was during the COVID. Um, did more, you know, outdoorsy stuff like biking and swimming and running and you know, spending time with friends through FaceTime or video, family members, um, stuff that I couldn't do when I was busy working all the time. And um, it also helped that I worked with my travel buddy, which was um, also my friend, Jovelyn, um, from the Philippines since 2007. So we reconnected. She was from um, Missouri. I told her to move over to Houston to take on this travel contract with me. And we work together and that kind of helps. So when we work together, you know, we kind of like when there's downtime, we could talk and like eat together and talk about stuff. But definitely um, six months into the pandemic, I took another contract that lasted for five months. But uh, I already know that when I'm off, I wanted to like have um, like time in an open space, like in a park, you know, maintaining safe distance but definitely uh, I, I like to work out like three to five times a week so gym is part of it. it was just hard because you have to wear the mask but 
I mean, um, got to do it. So that's why when they said they're rolling out the vaccine, I was the first one to get it because I just want to live, you know, a normal life for a workout <laughs> without a mask. But it still took a while to do that. Um, yeah. I definitely like running and biking and, you know, just going out in the sun because that makes me feel like alive because work can sometimes make you feel like you're just going through the motions and yeah. that kind of like, you know, like worsens the burnout and feeling drained. But whenever I'm off, I like to um, separate myself from work. So anything that makes me remember work, I don't think about that that much. I'll have to worry about that later. If they tell me, hey, you, you need to do this um, education online, you missed it. I'll, I'll take care of it after work. When I'm off, I want to be yeah. separate from work. So okay. I, want, I want my time. So, so, so lo- lots of good tips there. Carla was eating right, speaking to her friends, Paul being outside, exercising, and also speaking to your friends because we're social beings at the end of the day. So I think that's really an important piece of it. Carla, you mentioned your faith. And Leanne, can you tell everybody how you got started in healthcare? Because I think this will be interesting for people to hear about how you got started. And maybe you can also just add to that, like what are the different kinds of self-care? Because I think Paul and Carl have touched on some of those, but I, I think there are probably more that you can share with us. So you're wanting to know how I got involved with self-care for self-care. health? Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit of your history. I know you had some, we've got some pictures from Vietnam. Oh, well, that mm-hmm. goes a ways back, um, <laughs> for sure. Okay, briefly, uh, mm-hmm. I at the end of the Vietnam War in 1975, I agreed to go to Vietnam and escort six babies back to their pre-assigned adoptive homes. I was a volunteer for Friends of Children of Vietnam. And, oh, I didn't know you had all of those. Yes. And so <laughs> when I got there, uh, President Ford had okayed Operation Baby Lift because bombs were dropping. And they weren't when I said I'd go, but they were dropping when I got there. So instead of bringing out six babies, uh, they said, you'll help us bring out 300. I was only there for five days, but I went into uh, the this two-story building, and that one photo is of all the babies laying. Uh, there were 100 babies laying um, all over the two floors of this building. And on day five, we took them to the airport, and that's me in a Volkswagen van with just 22. Wow. On the first leg of the journey to the airport, where we had a C-141 cargo jet, and um, they made bassinets out of cardboard boxes, and we placed two to three babies in a cardboard box. There were nine of us to take care of 100 babies. Um, I imagine, uh, I say that's the worst shift ever, <laughs> but it was joyful work, bringing the babies to freedom and to families. And um, and the best amazing part of the story, that's part of it all, is my husband and I had applied for adoption of a son through this organization, and we expected to be assigned a child in probably two or three years. But when I was there, they said, because of Operation Baby Lift, you can go into the next room and choose one. And I went into that room of 100 babies, and a little nine-month-old boy took one look at me, crawled crawled into my arms, my heart, my family. I didn't have to choose him. Oh, my gosh, Deanne. That is unbelievable. So unbelievable. Wow. What a so story. I came home and was quite yeah. happy being a nurse and a wife and a mom and working at the clinic and at the hospital. And then finally, I wrote the book about Operation Baby Lift. And that's when health care organizations started calling me. I was on a national nursing board and they asked me to speak on lessons I learned from Operation Baby Lift. And that's when I wrote a book and a speech and built a career around balancing life in your war zones. Because what I learned from that is in order to cope, 
in the war zones of our lives today, we have to be strong physically, mentally, and spiritually. And I never guessed the world would care. I got so busy, I quit my day job. I hospitals started wanting more and more. So I turned my keynote, as I mentioned, into this year-long program. And um, that's how I got started. <laughs> as wow. unbelievable as it is, I know. That is really, that is some story. It really is. What an experience and, and what a journey that, that led from that experience. So yeah. what, what advice would you give to nurses who are experiencing burnout, emotional, physical exhaustion, have lived through the pandemic um, and now are, um, you know, looking at ways to reduce burnout, to take care of themselves. What are some of the, the, your best advice and tips in that regard? Well, first of all, I'd like to say to them, please don't quit. <laughs> we need you desperately. And I understand why. Paul, I am in awe. When you tell me everything that you did and all that you witnessed day after day, I, I am in awe. And, and Carla, with your job with the state, I can't even imagine the pressures and, and all of that. I've never experienced anything like that. I mean, I was in Vietnam for five days with all those babies. But, and, and you did this for months and months and months. So God bless you and thank you both, first of all. Um, and I, and so the thing I like to say, and I'm, this is not exactly the answer to your question, but I hope nurses don't quit. Do as Paul did. Take a break. Um, and, and you're so wise to have done that, Paul, because I've met lots of travelers and they just go from the next to the next to the next because it's good money and I got to make all I can and I got to pay off those loans. And, and, and they don't take the, the self-care breaks. And, and the way that Carla said that she found a, you know, a friend to walk the journey with her and she tapped into her faith and and so I, I would suggest that everybody step back, take a look at your life, do that self-assessment, and honestly, make a list. Paul knows what he needs. He's like me. I need nature. I need outdoors. I need space. Some people don't. They want crowds. They Whatever. But, but do that assessment and then make a, literally, make a list of what you need. But please consider body, mind, and spirit, not just one or the other. It's I always joke, it's one thing to get a stress ball and lower your HDL. That's great. <laughs> but we need to take care of um, body, mind, and spirit as well. So I would suggest they look at that review. So symptoms, make their list, and then make a commitment. And take a break, if you need, from healthcare. But the good thing about our profession, and I'll make this plug always, is that the good news is we don't have to all work in the ER like Paul did. You know, there like, you can be work in any setting in pediatrics, geriatrics, home care, intensive care, schools. Uh, there's jobs for, and if you're tired of of the direct patient care, there's quality and and all the other areas that we can serve in, and we desperately are needed um, nurses. We are U.S. Labor Department says we will be 1.1 million nurses short by 2030. Yeah. So um, please take care of yourselves so you can hang in there and continue to serve. Well, I think a lot of good advice and a really um, uh, just a, an incredible, um, you know, awesome account of nurses and, and what everybody has lived through and how important it is to take care of yourself because it is such an important job. And I think nurses really just have such a unique quality about them. And there's something um, special about nurses who just have so much compassion and empathy. And that's why you got into this 
this profession. And, and as Leanne said, there are ways to take care of yourself and help navigate through this, this difficult time. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about culture shock and how um, you need to take care of yourself and how there can be burnout when you come to the United States. Because a lot of the viewers that are watching right now are either just newly arrived in the United States or they might be um, uh, arriving in the United States soon. And as an immigrant myself, I know that both Carla and Paula also came to the United States um, as immigrants. We know that coming to the United States can be difficult at the best of times. Um, there's a lot of challenge. There's a culture shock, which is a very common phenomenon. Um, and if you couple all of that with the pandemic, what nurses have gone through in the last few, uh, the last two years, and the shortage of nurses in America, patients getting older and getting sicker, the silver tsunami, there's a lot of compounding factors here. But for nurses coming from overseas, who have worked really hard to come to the United States, I think it's also important just to talk a little bit about what they can expect and what advice and um, tools and methodologies we can suggest to help them through that transition as they enter the country who is still, you know, we hopefully moving out of the pandemic, but but still, you know, in, in, this, um, in this phase. So, I'd like to put up a, um, a slide about the the um, the kinds of feelings that you can experience with culture shock when you first arrive in the country. And um, Carla, can you maybe talk a little bit about your experience and did you experience some of these emotions when you first arrived here? Helplessness, stress, surprise, fear, indignation, loss, homesickness, confusion, and rejection. So I, as I'm looking at the slide, I would have to say that with my experience, it was um, homesickness, loss and homesickness, because um, I did not actually originally plan to work in North Dakota. I asked to be assigned in a different state, which is much closer to where my um, immediate family is. But for some reason, I landed here. So that was also one disappointing um, fact that happened to me. And then aside from that was helplessness because I did not know anybody here. Like none of my friends knew anybody in North Dakota. So uh, that's another factor that um, helped me feel that helpless. And then I guess um, the stress because... When I came here, I did not immediately start with orientating in the facility. I had to wait like nine days, it had to do with my license endorsement. Um, so yeah, I was just by myself in the apartment without any, um, any friends. So the only people that were helping me were from the staffing agency who came here before me. So they were helping me out, pick up some stuff, um, move some of some of the uh, furnitures that, that I bought and then when, when they go home I'm all by myself so one thing that I made sure that I had was the internet connection <laughs> so <laughs> I was always yeah <laughs> I, that was the most important thing for me because food I can just probably um, go to McDonald's <laughs> even if it's fast food it's still food so I was always online with my parents <laughs> and, and my uh, other members of my family. So to make sure that, you know, I don't get crazy because I'm just by myself in a two bedroom apartment 
and it was a bit huge for me. So, um, and then one thing that, of course, um, shocked me here is everything has a price. Everything has a price tag. And mm -hmm. coming from me, because I work in the Middle East, so um, I was only paying for maybe when I go out, you know, for the taxi, the cab fare, and my 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 cellular line. That was the only thing that I was paying for. But here, everything has a price tag. So that one was um, one thing that I missed. I said, "Is was this really the right choice that mm -hmm. I actually migrated here?" I know this has been my childhood dream from what i can remember we had like autographs and i would always say there want to be a nurse what is your ambition to be a nurse to be a nurse to be a nurse <laughs> and, and then that that was like my culminating point did i make the right choice to yeah. be here because i'm all by myself no one no one it's not like it's my first time abroad but just thinking of those people who had no previews um experience working outside of the country it will be much more for them because they would really feel that burden that law that feeling of loss and loneliness especially if they don't know anybody around so that will be a huge deciding factor of how they're going to cope and hopefully they they will be able to <laughs> just like they, I did. They will. They will they will get through it definitely, like we all did. Um, but at the same time, as I said, you know, coming to the, the United States at the best of times can be stressful and you experience culture shock and a mm -hmm. lot of those feelings. And that's where, you know, still being at the tail end, hopefully, of the pandemic, but um all the repercussions that have come from that, self-care is 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 vitally important for new arrivals. We'll be back with the conversation in just a second. There's a wonderful opportunity for you. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses from all over the world to work in healthcare facilities here in the USA. If you are interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com slash application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. On with the show. Paul, if we look at some of those feelings um, and some of those emotions, did you experience some of those things as well when you came here? Uh, definitely. Uh, for me, there was there was a lot of stress and, of course, loss and homesickness and um, confusion. Um, like what um, Carla shared earlier, um, I was one of those nurses who've never worked outside my the home country, Philippines, prior to coming over here. So for all 30 years of my life, I, I was in the Philippines working with Filipinos. Um, and then of course you move to the United States, it's a melting pot of culture. And now you're immersed with what? Five, six, seven, eight, more than 10 different cultures at the same time. There was, it was uh, really like, um, it, it was hard to adapt at the beginning. I I would, uh, I would not lie. Um, in my first three months, I wanted to like go home. Like I was like, uh, I'm done here. I think I did. I gave it a try. I like it, but uh, I think I'm more comfortable being at home. Um, and there was a lot of homesickness that I had to call my mom every day, and there was a lot of anxiety. Like, uh, what if I get sick? I do not know anyone. The problem with me is I don't have family members in the United States. I'm a first generation immigrant. Um, my friends are all spread out. I was um, assigned in South Texas and I have friends from San Francisco, from New York. It's not like I can go to them all the time because I still have to work to earn my money. 
Um, but um, so definitely there was a lot of um, communication barriers as well. I mean, um, it was hard to like express yourself sometimes. I try to say something, but instead of me saying it in in English, I'd say it in Filipino, and my patients are like, hey, "Hold on, what did you just say?" Like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I thought I was talking to you in English." But uh, it it was hard, so it was a struggle at the beginning. Lots of stuff that you have to go through. Like, uh, I was established in the Philippines, and then here I felt like, "Oh, I have to start at the very beginning." You know, I had to leave all my stuff in the Philippines. Now I have to buy these again buy more clothes, buy more furniture, this and that, get to know your community because you're not only getting yourself assimilated with work, but also your community, where's the nearest bank, where's the police? Where, I mean, the first time that I was ever in in a car accident, I had to call. So I lived with a Filipino family for a bit and I had to call them like, okay, I just got into an accident. What do I do? Do I call 911? Do I step out of the car and ask them for the insurance? Yeah. I mean, I'm scared. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, how did they do it here? Like, I know what to do if I was back at home, but I don't know. You know, so many stuff. You feel lost. Here. You feel lost. You exactly. feel lost. Yeah, absolutely. So like, should I just go back to the home country where I feel comfortable um, or stay here and learn? So I chose to stay here and learn because I felt like I had more opportunity for growth and I wanted to learn more about different races. I love to travel. I love to travel because I want. I love to learn uh, new things about the places that I visit, about the people that I visit, about the food that they eat, and the culture. So, in order for me to learn more about people, I have to assimilate and like put myself in the middle and really understand different races, um, different, um, uh, you know, beliefs and different attitudes. And I learn from my patients as well. I tell them, "Oh, that's something that I've never experienced before." But thanks for letting me know. Eventually, it got better. It does get better. It's only yeah. hard at the beginning, yeah. and um, but it it gets better. Yes, yeah. and 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 that's where you can see. You know, the, the, this is well documented that um, culture shock is. Uh, it looks kind of like a dip. Uh, you know, you, you start off with a honeymoon period. You arrive in the United States, worked so hard to get here, came here for greener, greener pastures, um, and um, and you have that honeymoon period. And then all of those feelings come into place with a lot of change and a lot of stress, um, and you have what we call the dip. But it does over time get better, and you do start to adapt. So that's the hope. And I, I really want to thank and Carla and Paul for sharing your story, because I think that this will be so inspirational for so many nurses who are arriving in the United States now or have just arrived in the United States and experiencing culture shock where they're coming from a post-pandemic world where they have been depleted and drained, as Leanne said, um, and then they're coming into this environment, which is a whole nother compounding layer of um, of of burnout and, and stress that can occur. And um, Leanne, in your um, experience, what, what would you say to a nurse who is newly arrived in the United States, might have been burnt out from the experience over the last two years in the pandemic and now going through culture shock? What are some of the, um, the, the strategies that you would suggest? Talk to Paul. <laughs> good one yeah, sounds like you really did you know i i'm born and raised in the united states i'm an iowa farm girl so all that you're telling me about is is foreign forgive the pun yeah um but i guess i would say that exactly the things that they talked about 
And I know I sound like a broken record, but when you come here also to remember to take really good care of yourself and know that we are social beings and to reach out to that community and to form new communities. And like Carla said, to find a, a friend that walked the journey with her um, and so that you can reach out and have people that can support you. And it must be really hard to ask, uh, you know, even for that, to step out with that confidence to tap into the resources. And then maybe another thing is to ask about all the resources we do have here in the United States. There are so many wonderful things yes. that, that are for free that, that don't include welfare necessarily, but just so many resources we have with libraries and lending services and churches and communities and events and, um, and trails in, um, in cities and uh, to ask the locals and see how you can be connected to find the resources that you need to care for yourself. So great, great advice. And I think at the end of the day, a lot of that is about connection and knowing that it will get better and having the courage to persevere because it is, you know, the pandemic is going to pass and the culture shock is going to pass. These things do pass. Um, and it's really being, uh, you know, being grateful also in the moment for the blessings of that, you know, that the pandemic is hopefully coming to an end and, and that, you you know, for those nurses who arrive in the country that you are now here and living your American dream. And, and I think that's a great place for us to actually finish off. So I really want to thank the panel today for joining us. I think this is such an important topic. Um, nurse burnout, as we said in the beginning, is a buzzword. We hear it in the news every single day, but it is, it, there is enormous pain and suffering that comes from nurse burnout. Um, and as Leanne said, I think that was a great way of putting it, is that, you know, it, it, it is draining. Um, but the good news with that is that there are tools and strategies that, um, that can help you to fill yourself up. It's kind of like that being on the airplane, give yourself oxygen. Um, because when you give yourself oxygen, then you're able to give those around you oxygen. So just to sum up and um, establish strong per interpersonal skills, I know that um, everybody on the panel has spoken about that, setting boundaries between work and personal life, invest in proper sleep, pay attention to self-care practices, lots of tips and pointers that everybody on the panel has shared, and turn to therapy or other employee assistance programs as well. A lot of employees have that as a resource. As Leanne said, there's a lot of resources that might be available for nurses um, that are going to be coming and living and working in the, in the United States. So to finish off, I thought if everybody just wants to give one final piece of advice for nurses who um, are going through burnout and um, want to take care of themselves. Let's start with Carla. So for me, um, I think just to add more, like what Leanne said there, um, if you go to the CDC website, if you really feel like you're experiencing this burnout, reach out. I know there's this stigma that that's keeping us uh, or preventing us from doing that. And um, like what you just mentioned, the employee assistance program, um, I think most of the employers have that because I know um, with the facility that I used to work for, they have that. So use that, exhaust your resources first, reach out to someone in the know, uh, reach out to your supervisor or your nurse manager, someone who can really help you out. And uh, like I said, if you go to the CDC website, they have a um, disaster um, distress hotline. 
um, for if you're really feeling so emotionally overwhelmed, you can actually um, text. I'm not sure if that's a text message or a call, but if you go to the CDC website and uh, type type in uh, COVID, you will find that there's a disaster distress hotline. You can make use of that. Or if you know anyone else who might make use of that, so you can provide them that number. And like I said, um, always do a self-check, um, just even for five minutes. Just take a break, stop. Um, appreciate like what is around you. Um, always feel grateful of what you have and acknowledge yourself for, and put like pat in the back, S say that to yourself, that you did a good job for today. So um, just be in that moment, be in the present moment. And um, yeah, acknowledge um, everyone that who has helped you made the journey and um, try to always have that positive mindset. It will, um, I think, I, I believe that it will really make you go ways beyond what you can imagine as long as you maintain a positive mindset. Yeah, I, I think you're so right, Carla. Um, and when you speak about gratitude, you know, when I, I love Oprah and Oprah always talks about a gratitude journal. In fact, for those nurses who come through kinetics, we give them a gratitude journal when they arrive. And I think that that's really so important is to, you know, it's how you perceive things and you're having a positive attitude really changes your mindset from that. And what do you say? You, you can have either a mindset of fear or love. Um, and it shifts you from fear to love if you if you um, if you're grateful. Um, Paul, what would you say is your final um, words of advice to anyone who's experiencing burnout and how to care for themselves? Yeah, I think we've all said lots of really great things that are really important for self care. But I want to remind our nurses that um, we're human beings; we have needs. Um, Earlier, we talked about going into therapy and I'm working with my therapist right now. I didn't think I needed therapy until I was in the middle of the pandemic and all these crazy things were happening and it's affecting me um, and causing me a lot of burnout too. But I would want to share what my therapist said, which I shared yesterday as well, that I keep in mind, you know, because sometimes we like, we like to give and give and give. But like what Leanna shared earlier, you cannot run dry. You have to replenish yourself too. Being uh, selfish is not bad. We have a negative connotation of being selfish. You have to remember you have a need. You have to focus sometimes on yourself and actually take a step back and see where you're at and see what actually brings you um, your purpose back in your life, your happiness back in your life. Sometimes the world, the world can be so busy with our jobs, with our family, with our responsibilities, but we cannot live our lives with those things just, you know, um, um, controlling our lives. We have to make sure that we're living our lives with a purpose. So take that day off, spend about two to four hours doing things that make you happy. It could be something like physical activity, yoga, meditation, a prayer, connecting with your friends, singing, you know, dancing, sitting in the park and, you know, smelling the air, going to the beach and just listening to the water, listening to songs. But Find those things that will bring your purpose back in your life. And then tomorrow, the following day, you'll feel, you know, like you're refreshed and um, like you've rejuvenated your spirit back. But um, Leon has made a good, good point about we're not only trying to like care for our body and minds, but we're also a spir spiritual being. And that means connecting with other people, connecting with our souls, with 
you know, the one being that gives us life. So find your purpose and make sure that you're pursuing, you know, like uh, pursuing your happiness and caring for yourself, both uh, in, in physical, in, you know, in social, emotional, mental, and spiritual. So I guess those are really important. I love it, Paul, because if you don't feed your mind and strengthen your body, you really can't find those meaning, that meaning and that purpose because you're just too depleted. You're too exhausted. And I also love the fact that you are very courageous in talking about getting help, because I think sometimes there's a stigma that, um, you know, getting help is a weakness. In fact, it's a strength. I think, because that's where if you're getting help, you're actually taking control of your own life. And I think just the fact that you are speaking about that will give a lot of hope and inspiration to people who might be feeling lost and and not sure where to go. And final words, Leanne? Well, gosh, those are hard acts to follow. They, the two of them just summed up my entire self-care for healthcare program. I guess I would leave, um, I can sum it up in, um, in almost in a sentence. I would encourage everyone to care for themselves as lovingly and as attentively as you do a patient or someone you love the most in the world. Oh, I love that, Leanne. We would never wow. deny anybody else food, drink, and we deny ourselves. So loving, care for yourselves as lovingly as you do a patient or someone you love. And remember, uh, Nurses Week is always May 6 to 13 here in the United States. But the American Nurses Association has made the entire month of May Nurses Month. Nurses Month. So go celebrate yourself and um, be grateful for all that you have, as they said. But really celebrate and love being a nurse and find your joy and your passion in it again. And um, and thank you for giving so selflessly. Well, thank you. Thank you to everybody on the panel and thank you to everybody who's watching. Um, you can see on the screen some of Leanne's books um, that you can purchase as well. Um, and there's a QR code um, on the bottom of that. Um, and I think the message really being that there is hope there is a lot of positivity and a lot of ways for nurses to care for, for themselves. But I think loving yourself as you would somebody, you know, as, as Leanne said, loving as you would love your patients and as well as somebody that you love, I think really just says it all and is a great place to end off. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and hit the follow button on your podcast player and leave us a review. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses from all over the world to work here in the USA. We offer direct hire, meaning you will be sponsored and hired directly by American healthcare facilities. If you're interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for more incredible conversations.